This is Around the Rim with LaChina Robinson. It's All-Star Week. That's right. It is All-Star Week for the WNBA. And you are listening to your ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast, Around the Rim. I'm the host, LaChina Robinson, joined by my fabulous producer, Tarika Foster-Brasby. And it is a busy time, Tarika. Busy busy super even though you'll be a little bit busier than i am i'm not gonna show my hate or shade that you'll be at the all-star game and i won't but it's all good yep i'll be at the (laughs) all-star game people you heard it heard it here first um and we are going to talk about the all-star game in a minute actually we have a lot to discuss on the show uh we're going to push really quickly actually to our first quarter so i could talk a little bit about my clipboard but let me tell you about the show we will have current Eastern Conference Player of the Week, Atlanta Dream Guard and WNBA All-Star snub Tiffany Hayes on the show <laughs> to talk about the Atlanta Dream's incredible eight-game win streak as we head into the All-Star break, what's going right, Nikki Collin, all the wonderful energy happening in the ATL. We also will have on the show one of my favorite people on the entire earth and uh, one of the greatest basketball analysts Male, female, women's basketball, men's, whatever you want to call it. Um, she just knows everything about the game. Debbie Antonelli is going to join the show in a unique spot. If you remember Debbie and Beth's shoot-around podcast, they used to have something called the cocktail napkin where they would write down their random thoughts about the game. Well, Debbie is bringing her cocktail napkin to Around the Rim, and we are super pumped for that, Um, just giving us a a different angle on things and uh, making us think. That's what I love about Debbie. She thinks outside the box, and we told you guys that we were going to stretch your limitations. So this is not just a WNBA podcast. It's not just college basketball podcast. We're doing it all. We're bringing all levels of the game together, and Debbie's going to help us have some in-depth conversations. So looking forward to those two. But um, right now, let's push to the first quarter. First quarter. All right. First quarter, we are blowing the whistle. There's so much going on, lots of headlines to discuss. First of all, Last week, we talked about Arike Agumbawale and the Notre Dame Fighting Irish being up for ESPYs. Well, Arike did win best play, and we are so happy for Arike, happy for women's college basketball. I want to kind of go off a little bit, though, because I thought that she should have won and been nominated for a lot more awards, but I'm not going to be stingy, selfish, whatever you want to call she it. She just gave me life basketball. when she said, <laughs> come see me on the court. Okay. Yeah, she did. She said, and for all, for, for hey, shout out to all the women's basketball, which I love because, like, it's a movement right now. If you're not in on it, you're out of there. So, um, shout out to Arike. Congratulations to Courtney Vandersloot, who notched the seventh triple double in WNBA history. Um, the Chicago Sky point guard, if you haven't seen her, is a magician with the basketball, uh, going back to her days in Gonzaga playing for Kelly Graves. And uh, there have only been six triple doubles before Courtney Vandersloot. So we want to send her some love. That's that's a huge accomplishment. And uh, Courtney's underappreciated. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's that. Uh, Sue Bird set the record for games played the WNBA with 500. Um, Sue and Diana kind of are going back and forth, like setting all kind of milestones. <laughs> I mean, how many records have we seen this year? Rebecca Brunson, um, capturing the rebound record, mm-hmm. field goals made, Diana, uh, Sue Bird is now the all time leading scorer for, for the Seattle Storm in their history. And that's, that's special about 500, 
uh, career games played is that Sue has been in Seattle her entire career. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a two-time champion, number one draft pick from, from Connecticut. Like she's done everything. She is like, she's basketball goals, period, in every sense of the word. But the part that I take from this, Tarika, is how well she's taking care of herself. I think she's, what, 36, 37 years old right now? Yep. And she looked like she could play for another five years. I don't see her stopping at any point, and that says a lot, Um, considering that we've often said early in the WNBA years, a lot of the players came in kind of older, older in the basketball world. To see Sue doing what she's doing with so much left to give the game is amazing. I think we'll see a few more records from her. Yeah, she's definitely going to be breaking records from here on out. We're here for it. And yeah, congratulations, Sue. Liz Cambage went from her 53-point performance, which was ridiculous, to a 35-point performance the game after that. So she now owns the record for mm-hmm. highest point total in consecutive in two games. And back to it doesn't have to be back-to-back, actually. It's actually in any two-game stretch. So that is impressive in itself. If you weren't paying attention, actually, the night that Liz notched her 35 points against the Washington Mystics in a win for Dallas at home, um, the All-Star rosters were announced. That's right. Team Parker and Team Deladon are set. And what does Team Parker look like? Liz Cambage, Tina Charles, Skylar Diggins-Smith, Chelsea Gray, Jewel Lloyd, Angel McCartry, Maya Moore, Cheney Ogumake, Neka Ogumake, and Allie Quigley. Let's go, Team Parker! Oh. oh, really? Sorry. That's how you just going to... That's how you... Okay. Sorry. We're going to have... You, okay. I'm not even going there right now. Um, NECA actually, and we want to send our thoughts and prayers to NECA Gumake. She will not play in the game. She has been out for uh, a while now for the LA Sparks, has not played for them. Um, she's ill. She has some kind of illness and they are, from what I'm reading on social media, uh, not sure when she's going to return. So we just want to send our thoughts and prayers to NECA. We were looking forward to seeing her and, and Shade playing together, but Lisa Borders did announce that Rebecca Brunson would take NECA's place. So, um, our prayers to NECA and congratulations to Rebecca Brunson. Now team Deladon. Simone Augustus, Sue Bird, Dewana Bonner, Sylvia Fowles, Brittany Griner, Kayla McBride, uh, Brianna Stewart, Diana Tarazi, Christy Tolliver, Asia Wilson. Um, so since you're Team Parker, guess I should announce that I'm actually the reporter for Team Deladon. Oh, that's a sign. That's a sign. <laughs> it's not something I picked. It's not, I'm not trying to say, don't even, you know, whatever, but officially I'm a member of Team Deladon. Officially you so, are. So yeah. So that's big news. Um, All right. In other news, the WNBA announced that the three-point contest is coming back. Um, Don't forget, there was a three-point contest last year, but before that, the WNBA had not had one since 2009. We were all excited. Last year's winner was Allie Quigley. She is back to defend her crown. And the other participants in the contest are Christy Tolliver, Renee Montgomery of Atlanta, Jewel Lloyd from Seattle, Las Vegas Aces, Kayla McBride, and the Fever's Kelsey Mitchell. So, yeah, we're excited about that. 
For the second consecutive year, $10,000 will be donated to a charity of the winner's choice in support of her work in the community, which I think is awesome. And you should check out some of those causes because the players chose things that were near and dear to them. Um, there's mention of Ann Donovan and the organization that Christy is going to give her money to. Um, you know, I think Tamika Catching's Catch the Stars was one of the organizations that someone said they would want to give their winnings to. Uh, so it's just cool and it's awesome and it's happening at halftime of the all-star game now a couple more things diana tarazi suspended for a game because she now has seven technicals and so that is big news that is huge news mercury have been struggling a bit i believe a lot of it is related to the lack of health the team i looked at the last list i looked i looked at sancho's out um, I believe Leilani Mitchell is out right now, maybe for personal reasons. So prayers up to her. Um, Brittany Griner has been having some back spasms. So um, Phoenix Mercury really reeling. And it seems like things have been going kind of downhill since Sancho tore ACL. I mean, that's a huge loss and it changes the dynamics of the team. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, events at All-Star fans, we just want to encourage you. Um, whatever you can be involved in, either being in Minnesota via live stream, whatever it may be, to join in on the fun this weekend for WBA All-Star. There will be a All-Star show on Friday night on ESPN2 where uh, Ryan Rucco, Rebecca Lobo, myself, Holly Rowe will all be just giving different angles of uh, the All-Star game. We'll be talking to different players, just having a good time, promoting Saturday's game. And um, it should be a lot of fun. Minnesota just is a first-class organization. And the way that they've approached this entire thing, I'm just I'm so excited for that city because they deserve it, the way they back up the WNBA for them to have this chance to host. So um, there's a lot of things going on around the city. Um, again, some things are live streamed. Some things fans can't attend. Uh, media has some opportunities to cover practice and, and various things. So uh, just stay plugged in at WNBA.com to hear all of the latest and become a part of All-Star Weekend. Last but not least, there was a huge trade in the WNBA uh, between Dallas and the Washington Mystics. Now, Dallas received uh, Taylor Hill. Uh, number four overall draft pick in 2013. They also get a 2019 second round pick and the right to swap first round picks next year, which could be huge. Yep. And then on the other side of that, Washington receives Ariel Powers, um, who was a number five uh, overall pick. And um, that's a, a huge move for both teams. I mean, I, I saw some comments from Mike Tebow saying, you know, they needed a little bit more versatility at the wing in terms of size. So Ariel can play two, three, four. Taylor Hill just wasn't really in a rotation of a lot of guards in Washington. Um, you know, I know that um, Taylor Hill may be able to play some backup point guard minutes mm -hmm. uh, for Skylar Diggins, which has been an area that, you know, they've kind of gone back and forth with and, and tried to find some different picks. But anyway, um, I'm for so, it. Yeah, that's big news for both of those teams. And I want to end it on a bit of a sad note. Um, just want to send our thoughts and prayers to the families of Rene Portland, as well as Barbara Kennedy Dixon, two women who have uh, given a lot to women's basketball, to the game, uh, who are no longer with us, who both passed away this week. So we just wanted to acknowledge them and all they have done. Uh, Rene Portland 
helped to build Penn State into a powerhouse and um, unfortunately died of cancer. And Barbara Kennedy Dixon is arguably the best player to ever play in the ACC. Tremendous accolades and, and went on to contribute from an administrative, from the administrative side at Clemson as well. We're going to miss Barbara. You know, she's someone that I had the chance to interact with throughout my career on various levels and just what an amazing woman who uh, won't soon be forgotten. So our thoughts and prayers to their families. We appreciate all they've done for the game. Absolutely. Second quarter, player's perspective. Jasmine Thomas, eight seconds. Thomas with seven. Wheels to the right, five seconds. Thomas down the lane. Ball poke loose. Hayes with a second to go. Let's it fly. And she hits it. Oh, my goodness. Oh, what a shot by Tiffany Hayes to give the dream the win. Well, that was the infamous call by Connecticut Sun play-by-play Bob Huesler um, of Tiffany Hayes' game winner. That's right. Game was all tied up. Uh, Atlanta Dream at the Connecticut Sun. And Tiffany Hayes, with time expiring, hits an incredible shot 46.7 feet away from the goal. It was was from ridiculous. That's where it was from. I mean, just stupid. But for those of us that have watched Atlanta Dream season – now at eight wins in a row, Tiffany Hayes season, uh, who my opinion should have been a WNBA all-star. Like this is just how things have been going for this team and for this young woman. Um, incredible shot in a crazy moment. Join us in welcoming Atlanta Dream Guard Tiffany Hayes to the show. Thank you guys for having me. I mean, what, what, I know you've been on Sports Center, like you blew up after making that shot. Like, have you ever made a shot from that far during a game? And definitely a game winner? Um, I mean, I made one close to half court in the front of half court, um, but it was nowhere near being a game winner. So I think that was probably tops all the ones I've had. I mean, it was one of those moments. I'm sitting there watching with my cousin, and, and we all had – I don't know if y'all do this, but I, like, literally jumped up and was like, oh, my God, I'm And my cousin's <laughs> looking at me like, oh, my God, I'm Like, we are going nuts. And then we, of course, <laughs> run it back. Like, we could not believe that shot win, especially because of the circumstance of how it happened. It was crazy because I had just told my cousin about – the trade between, uh, you know, with Alex and Lasia, and they were involved in some plays down the stretch back and forth. And then here comes Tiffany Hayes to hit the game winner. But it was so appropriate because, I mean, you seem to always go off in Connecticut. Obviously, you played uh, at the University of Connecticut at UConn. Um, and, yeah, you just kind of put the silence on that team. But it also was that moment where we're like, wow, everything is going Tiffany Hayes way. Mm -hmm. You were just named Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Um, You've had an outstanding season. If anybody watches this show or listens to Bob and I, or is on my Twitter handle, they already know that I'm on the Tiffany got snubbed from the all-star team. I'm the captain, okay, of that (laughs) of that whole movement. But Tiffany, what has this season been like from your seat? Um, from my seat, um, I mean, it's been good. We started out okay. I mean, we uh, lost a couple games early. Um, we were kind of still finding ourselves. You know, everything was new, our coaches, um, a lot of people on the team. So we were still kind of finding ourselves. But um, we always said to each other even in the beginning, even at training camp, that we were going to be something special. Like, we always said that to each other, like especially like me and Renee. 
I would always tell her, like, I, I, I feel it. Like, it's something about us. And now that we're on this street, I'm like, we were right. Like, I, it's, it's happening now. What we were talking about is happening. So I think we're finally just coming along together real well, and um, we'll see how far it takes us. Yes, and for anyone who is not watching, um, that streak has now extended to eight games for the Atlanta Dream, um, who are sitting in second place right now in the WNBA, but they did just beat the Seattle Storm, which is the number one team. So the Dream are coming. And you mentioned Renee Montgomery. A lot of changes in Atlanta this year that have proven to be just so positive whether it's Nikki Collin and what she's brought to this team with her confidence and her organization kind of gotten you guys in the system or Renee Montgomery, her leadership, which I think has been good for you being beside her again after y'all won a national championship together or Jessica Breland, who was just a couple weeks ago, the Eastern conference player of the week. So a lot of moving parts, which one of those factors or, or tell me how you think those three different pieces in particular have added to the success of the dream this year. Um, well, I think you said it with uh, Coach. She just brings a lot of more, a lot more energy. Um, I think a lot of positive vibes. All the coaches, they're always bringing positive vibes. Like, sometimes in practice, like, we're supposed to pick each other up as teammates, but sometimes, like, because of the season, is so stuck together. Like, sometimes we all have to be like, you know, we're all struggling together, and then here they come in with their energy. So that gives us a little bit of a boost and. Breland's definitely been, like, a big help on our team, especially on the offensive end. I mean, de- defensive end, offensive end, too. She's been killing it. But especially her defense, her um, extra length for rebounds and guarding those tall players in the post. So she's definitely been killing with that. And then, of course, Renee, you said her leadership. That's everything. I think we needed that uh, these past couple of years. And me playing with her in UConn, um, that gives me an advantage because I know her and she knows me. So she can kind of control me sometimes, you know, like when things get hectic and – She's the one to come and calm me down. And then me and her just been working well together ever since then. So uh, all three of them have been great. Yeah, I know she calls you. Is it Kiera? Is that what she calls you? Her little nickname yes. for you? She calls me. Yeah. <laughs> and I must say, when you say she calmed you down, you are like nowhere. I don't even know if you've re- have you received any technicals this year. I think you're pretty. I have, uh, but yeah, oh. not as. But it's, it's way better. Yeah, yeah. That's how I was gonna say doing much better than last year. And in addition to those things, you know, obviously the return of Angel McCartry is huge. Um, Elizabeth Williams is like playing out of her mind. Like I don't know who made Liz mad, but she is playing like a monster and the bench like I'm sitting there watching and I'm saying to myself like wow like Monique Billings even Imani McGee Stafford now you add Bentley to the mix who's always had a good chemistry with this team you guys I don't I I don't want to speculate that you have good off-court relationships but she seems to fit in well you and Brittany Sykes you know are are like I don't even kid and play uh, salt pepper <laughs> like I don't even I gotta come up with a name for y'all because y'all are like off the chain but it's, it's a great chemistry across the board it just seems like everyone has bought into this but another aspect of your game in particular that in my opinion should have been duly noted when it came to WBA all-star was defensively how is your role different on the defensive end this year than it's been the past? Because you've, you've shut down some of the league's best players. Um, you've changed offenses. Uh, if you're not on the WNBA all-defensive team, I'll have to go on another rant. But what is what is how has that role changed for you this year? Um, 
tremendous i mean just watching you lock down guys night and night out your effort to me is the difference from previous seasons now i'm looking at your your numbers first of all you know i think it's been a banner year for you across the board you know for going back last year with the all-star starter and then you were in usa basketball camp you know as as a member of the pool for the national team you're averaging a, a career high 17 points per game your second best field goal percentage in your career um everything is pretty much up you know in, in in terms of your numbers what do you think it makes you unique as a player in this league as one of the elite players in this league how do you separate yourself um uh, i honestly think it's because i work on both ends of the court and um i, I would really say also that my teammates really help out a lot because we have so many weapons on this team and when you don't have to do a lot because you have so many options it makes it easier for you and it makes it um less stressful and all types of stuff. I think that's why all of us are playing well because um, once we all started clicking and playing well together and, and individually, um, it just helps us all out like within ourselves as well. Um, so, yeah, I think that, that has some credit to it too. Yeah, the balance has been really good. You know, it's not just Angel. It's not just you. You know, Renee with a three ball now helps to stretch the defense and, and then just your overall chemistry and movement on the offensive end. I want to I want to finish with this because I, I again, I, I tend to go on these rants. And one thing that I, I noted in our last broadcast was just I think Atlanta gets overlooked so much. And I haven't been I've been a part of this team since 2008. So I've been here since the very first year. And um, you know, you came in 2012 and, you know, everybody's kind of, you know, everyone's come along in the pieces that we see now. But from the very beginning, even being a part of the three Eastern Conference championships, it just seems like people overlook Atlanta. And I, I think you not making the all-star team is a is an example of that, you know, that people are kind of like, oh, yeah, and there's Atlanta. But with a team that has had so much success in just its first, you know, 10, 12 years, I don't understand how that happens. Does that bother you guys from the inside or when you, you know, you're like, oh, my gosh, how did I not make the all-star team? Like, does that bother you guys? Does it fuel you? Like, how do you deal with, in my opinion, just being overlooked in, in general? Um, I don't know if it bothers us. I think um, maybe it's it, – I would say it might be an advantage. You know, everybody keeps overlooking us, and then you, you might sneak around and make it to, um, you know what I'm saying, the championship round and might mess around and win a championship. So um, I don't mind that people keep on us. And um, the all-star thing, like you said, it was another example. So that's just like people sleeping on me. Um, they sleep on our team, and I don't mind that. That just means that we're going to uh, mess around and shock the world and win, win a championship. So. I'm fine with it. 
<laughs> which seems to have happened every time Atlanta went to the finals. It was like, oh my gosh, like, where did this team come from? And I'm like, what do you, have you not been watching? So it, it's probably just something because I'm closer to this organization. I live in Atlanta. I see happen uh, more often, but hey, that's my bone. I'm picking it. Uh, Tiffany, last thing. I know that family is important to you, but you have a lot of other things that you're doing in your career. I see you're, you have a hashtag real model, which I love, like instead of role model, like you're, you're real and who you are. Like what are some things about Tiffany off the court that really mean a lot to you right now? Where I seen you on the WNBA kick site. So like what, what excites you about Tiffany off the court right now? Um, yeah, you definitely hit the real model is one of my favorite lines that I have out right now with my uh, clothes. I got a couple other things. My logo is also out right now. And I have hashtag ankle snatcher is one of my shirts as well. Ooh. Um, Ooh. Yeah. What are we saying there? Wait, wait, wait. What are we trying? What are we saying there? <laughs> I'm here breaking ankles and stuff, right? <laughs> right. And putting it on a t-shirt too. So. <laughs> yeah. And I, I also got some new stuff coming out real soon and I'm really, really excited for it. So all that will be on the loyalist.com slash Tiffany Hayes for everybody to check out. The new stuff is dropping soon. So can't wait for that. Um, you said it's the loyalist dot com. Yes, the loyalist dot com uh-huh. Okay, all right. So make sure y'all checking Tiffany out. And what is your Twitter handle, Instagram? Uh, How can people follow you? Um, all of my stuff is Tip Hayes Three. So Instagram and Twitter is at Tip Hayes Three. At Tip Hayes Three. Well, Tiffany, um, the real ones are acknowledging what you've done in the WNBA, you know, I think it's just a matter of people seeing your name more, seeing your face more because 40% of the votes are fans, 20%. I think the media for the most part got it right, but 20% coaches, 20% players. I don't know, you know, what all, how that hashes out, but I just think your name is someone that needs to be out here more. So people know what the future looks like, or it could be the now if Atlanta wins the championship this year. So it could uh, be now. It could be the now. So congrats on everything this season with the dream and with your career, and um, good luck moving forward. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it so much. Basketball fans, stay right where you are because when we come back, Debbie Antonelli is going to be joining us. But make sure you are subscribed to Around the Rim, whether you're listening to the podcast on the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, tune in wherever you subscribe to podcasts. Make sure you are subscribed to Around the Rim. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can rate us. We need to know how you feel about Around the Rim. And you can always shoot us an email at around the rim podcast at gmail.com so stay tuned to around the rim we'll be back third quarter scouting report all right basketball fans we are excited about our third quarter this week because we have one of everyone's favorite analysts in the game um someone who i consider a mentor a role model who has done so much for the game of women's basketball, not just because she's an amazing analyst, but uh, through her work with the KL Cancer Fund and just growing the game through tournaments, um, getting us back to our fundamentals through her work with with uh, USA Basketball and all kinds of all kinds of things. We just want to welcome the great Debbie Antonelli to the show. Welcome, Debbie. 
<laughs> Latanya, that's way too much, but thank you so much. I'm so excited you invited me on. Thank you. Well, you do so much. So, of course, we're going to invite you on. And what what I love about this session with you is I'm hoping that this is the start of something really special moving forward. Now, this podcast was inspired by Shoot Around with Beth and Debbie Mm -hmm. um, that you shared with Beth Moens. and, And you guys really had the first women's basketball podcast on ESPN platforms. And I loved it. Never missed a show. But you had a segment called The Cocktail Napkin. And that's when you and Beth would go through your notes on your little napkin that you that you would write down while you're having cocktails and discussing women's basketball. So we're bringing the cocktail napkin back and uh, we want to hear what's on Debbie's mind. Now, Tarika's going to help us work through this, but we've got our cocktail napkin topics and Tarika, Tell us where we're starting, and uh, we're going to have a good discussion with Debbie. What's, what's, we what's are. Today? We are. We are. We've got some great topics going on, so I'm going to let you guys go at it for a little bit and just kind of discuss it, and then once we've reached the time limit, I'm going to blow our horn. So when you hear the horn, we're going to move on to the next topic. So first, um, we're going to talk about our college basketball regional sites. Uh, what do you think, Debbie, about taking the the four regional games and the Sweet Sixteen tournament? Uh, going to Vegas. What, what's on your mind with that concept? Oh wow, you're really going to need the horn on this one because <laughs> you guys know that I have been advocating for this for eight years. This is my eighth year discussing the Sweet Sixteen to Vegas, and I, I started with Vegas because it sounded so outrageous. It wasn't a place that. Uh, NCAA was allowing championships to uh, be held, although there were numerous, and I believe this year there will be eight conference tournaments played there in March by major conferences in in college basketball. So what I want to do is just set aside Vegas for a second because we all know that Vegas is great. It's hot. It's the place. It's where USA basketball is, the Summer League. The Las Vegas Aces are a huge hit. I've seen a game there. I could go on about Vegas, uh, but I want to talk about the Sweet 16 and the format, not just about Vegas. So if you guys would just bear with me for a second, let me hit you with this. We have four regionals economically and all the data that has proven that um, it's not succeeding in terms of attendance or economically being solvent. So therefore, I was sort of disappointed when I saw recently that we have announced all the way out to 22 that we will maintain the same format. So it's frustrating to me because I think economically we should stand on our own merits a little bit. Uh, We are losing multiple millions of dollars on our NCAA tournament. I've always advocated for a wow factor, and I think this year's Final Four gave us that kind of wow. I was really hoping that that would multiply into some more uh, options for us to sort of sell ourselves. Economically, we know that wherever Connecticut is, that's going to sell out. In February, everyone knows where Connecticut's going to be. The last couple of years they have anyway, or last several, because they've been the overall number one seed. They get the closest regional, and we always seem to build in a regional that takes care of that economic metric. But the other three places, we don't know who's going there. We have this geographic metric we use for uh, miles, for who goes where, all that. It's going to be really interesting as we move forward because, as we know, UConn didn't win the last two national championships. Notre Dame and South Carolina did, respectively. And so um, what what does that mean for us economically? When are we going to see a change? When are we going to stand up and say, you know what? Baseball and softball's model works. 
it has worked over time. It's a, a cre- they've created two destination cities. I wouldn't necessarily call Oklahoma City and Omaha destination cities when they started out. We already know Vegas is a destination. The Supreme Court opened everything up. It's just a matter of time. I'm just frustrated to think that we're not having discussion about format change, and we're going to go through to 2022, and we're still going to have four regionals. I think we can do better. So, Debbie, let me make this let me make sure I have this correct. So your suggestion is that we take the Sweet 16 to one destination and stay there. That's what I'm advocating. Absolutely, LaChina. That has been the platform that I have been selling for eight years, that we have one spot. All 16 teams go there. Economically, that will make sense. It makes sense for the fans. That means that. Like, for example, Minneapolis is the site where we know it's the All-Star game coming up, but it's also the site of this year's Final Four in volleyball. They have already sold out 10,000 seats on the lower bowl for volleyball in December. Okay, we're going to Tampa for the Final Four, but we don't know, and they don't know who's going to Minneapolis, but they've already sold it out. Volleyball is really hot, and I'm just concerned that if we don't get a jump on Taking the economics, the metrics, and and a lot, I mean, a lot of detail that goes into this. I've been point-counterpoint for eight years with players, coaches, stakeholders, media. And I can honestly tell you that the format change going from four regionals to one spot for the Sweet 16, and in particular, I've been advocating Vegas, the China. I've not had one coach, one fan, or one member of the sports media tell me that they think it's a bad idea. As a matter of fact, I've had more people ask me, how can they help? What can we do? So what can we do? What can we do to help the format change? We've got to get after the people that are the decision makers at the NCAA and, and ask them, why are we not considering an economic model that would make sense, that would give us an advantage for our fans, be better for the players? It'd be great for covering our game. I am on board. I've had a chance to attend various events in Vegas. The way they support their sporting events there is extremely impressive. I've worked an Aces game there. I was there with the announcement of the team. MGM by far blows me away in terms of their commitment to that team, to those women, to building sport in the whole city. Um, So I'm definitely on board for it. I do think we need to try something new. If I am a fan of a team and I know that all – 16 teams are going to be at this one place, then I can go ahead and buy my tickets now, right? I don't have to wait to see what regional yep. they're going to be in. There's a convenience factor. I, I'm I'm there for it. I do understand the counter argument of wanting to go different places to grow the game. But as you mentioned, the, it's not really making the money we thought it would. Um, there are just a lot of indi- indications that there, there needs to be a change. So I know Tarika is going to push us to the next topic, but I'm on board, Debbie. Great presentation. Let's see if we can move the needle. All right, Tariqa, what do we have next? All right, Debbie, for our second cocktail napkin topic, let's talk about playing at home, on the road, or at neutral sites. Uh, Would people rather play at a neutral site or go on the road and face a team on their home court, which may be a hostile environment, but would have the advantage of at least having to play in front of a crowd? You actually want to get a poll up and talk to players about this. Tell us a little bit why this is something that strikes you or interests you. I, I've always 
gone back and forth with this debate in my mind. As a player, I always wanted to play at home and have that advantage. But would I rather play on a neutral site where there could be an iffy crowd, maybe a couple of thousand people, or would I rather go on the road and play at some place like Notre Dame, knowing that they're going to have a crowd and I'm going to be the visiting team and it's going to be tough? You know, what, what would you prefer? So I've always been interested in that because, you know, we're always fighting for neutrality in the women's game, and I think that's important. Um, but seeding is also an issue, too. You know, how many times do we get to the NCAA tournament and, and we don't just have an argument over one or two teams that made it that maybe you question whether they did, but there's always an issue about seeding. And I know the NCAA works hard to keep it uh, sort of um, from a geographical standpoint, and they do that for, quote, economics, even though I'm not sure how much economics actually plays into that decision. I think it does because they want attendance at their regional sites. So I was wondering how the players felt. You know, like, if you're a Stanford player, I've had the Lexington region over the last three years. Do you want to play on a neutral site in Lexington when you're not going to have a lot of fans and there's not going to be that big of a crowd? Or would you rather, you know, play on the home court of a higher-seeded team that you know will have an advantage because they're playing at home? It's just really interesting to me because in all the professional sports, like, they play all year for home court advantage, Right. The uh, Warriors, the Golden State Warriors playing all year for home court advantage. Seattle now playing for home court advantage through the playoffs in the WNBA. I just think it's an interesting conversation. What do you guys think? So what, what do you think is best for the game? I think the Sweet 16 to Vegas is what's best for the game. <laughs> because I think you remove all of that conversation, right? You remove right. all the conversation about seeding. You remove all the conversation about economics. You remove all that conversation about who has an advantage, who doesn't. I know there were a couple of years just recently that we had home courts for the regionals, and we know that none of the coaches like that. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I just wonder what the players think. You know, I'm sure the players want to play in front of a crowd. But you're not saying we should touch the first and second rounds. You're saying sweet 16 and on. Okay. No, I think I gotcha. think the first and second round should be at home, and then I think we should have a destination city that everybody knows in advance, especially a place like Vegas, even though I said I wasn't going to talk about it, just because I think we can <laughs> do so much. Vegas is just so much more than what people used to think Vegas was. And for eight postseason conference tournaments to be played in Vegas in March speaks a lot to how much they love basketball and hockey, and football with the Raiders coming, and all the wonderful synergy that is going on around that that city, in that state. So, so we're actually going to, we're, we're going to poll our NCAA athletes. We've got some that listen to our podcast. We've gotten questions from them on our, from our, on our email address. So on Around the Rim Twitter handle, which is at Around the Rim Pod, um, we are going to ask and poll our NCAA women's basketball players, would you rather play on a neutral court or the other team's home floor and see what we get back. I want to yeah, be where there's a crowd, fair. Debbie. Some Sometimes yeah. the most important, you know, I, I mean, some of the best environments I've been in is when the entire crowd is against my team. You know, like it just the energy of it when there is a crowd and – I mean, Cameron, for example, obviously those were always our favorite. That was one of our favorite places to play, even though we weren't sleeping in our own beds and we didn't have our own crowd. Now, we didn't have much of a crowd anyway, but um, it made the environment exciting. You know, it was like, wow, like there are people in here and their energy is feeding into our energy. So 
I'm curious to see what the student-athletes will say. Make sure you weigh in at Around the Rim Pod on Twitter. Tariqa, what do we have next for Debbie? So, What's, what else is on Debbie's cocktail napkin? So, Debbie, <laughs> in moving forward, what seems to be a never-ending discussion is the play of WNBA players. So, in this cocktail napkin topic, you're inquiring if the players agreed to take a seat, take a stand, with part of what would be their revenue sharing going to a nonprofit. Tell us a little bit why this is on your mind. Well, I think it's interesting that there's a lot of conversation about pay, uh, about the, you can't compare the NBA and the WNBA, but how as players and as a league and as women who support the league and work in the league, how can we help the league's business model continue to grow? Because in order for there to be more profit sharing, there has to be more profit. That means the overall business, which means every player is individually invested. Any owner, any team, us, we're individually invested in the league having success. So instead of, you know, complaining that we don't get this or don't get that, how about a solution to what would we do if we had more player equity in the league? What would that look like? And I was just curious, would take a seat, take a stand? Because I I know it's, uh, I think, first of all, I think it's an excellent idea. I just don't know with the player's concern about what their profit-sharing margin is, which is about 20%, I believe, um, did, did they have a say-so in part of the proceeds from selling tickets going to these six nonprofits, and did they have a choice of those nonprofits? I'm just interested how that business model worked. I'm sure the WNBA picked those six models for um, nonprofit because there's probably some sort of investment or business going back. But I was just curious if the players, because they're worried about revenue and they're worried about their profit margin, well, that's cutting, sort of cutting right into it. Or, or is it growing the the greater base? I'm trying to put my economics degree from NC State to work right here, LaChina. I mean, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> I can you know? see that. I can see that. Um, I, I'll tell you this, Deb. I, I was excited about the initiative from this standpoint right like there's an incredible energy around women right now whether that's you know our political climate um the incredible heroes that are part of the me too movement uh you know there's just being more awareness of uh, the lack of equal pay between men and women um and, and it seemed as though those organizations that were chosen um would all benefit women as part of the take a seat, take a stand. So that's why I was uh, excited about it, because I think this is where I think there's a market that's that's missing is that there aren't enough women owned businesses. Well, first of all, there are not enough women watching the WBA. We know that from looking at mm-hmm. the, the metrics, the measurements, the demographics of who's turning it on and who's involved. Those numbers are growing. But there are not enough women supporting this women's league. So I thought that this ticket initiative may encourage more women to go to their companies or if they are the head of their own companies and say, we need to invest in the WNBA for A, B, C, D reason. But also in the end, some of the proceeds of their ticket sales are going towards you know whatever organization may be a direct connection to their company. I was excited up for it for that reason. When you look at the TV spot, you see women marching and you see women playing. The WNBA has the best role models, in my opinion, that you could give a young girl, right? Like if we're talking about leadership, growing young women, 
creating women leaders, the WBA, you've got 144 of them right there to watch. So I was encouraged by that energy, but I understand what you're saying as well from the economic standpoint of basically the players just having more say in where the money, the revenue is going. Now the CBA yeah. is not up for discussion at this point, but this initiative maybe should have been, Debbie. Well, you know what, Lachina? I agree with everything you said. I love the initiative, but I'm also thinking it takes money to make money. And if this yep. initiative helps grow the greater base, which will ultimately grow the profit-sharing margin, then I'm, I mean, I'm even on top of it. I mean, even more so. I, I agree with you. I, I think women, look, I, we all know the women make the decisions at home, okay? That, that's without saying um, – I mean, that's no disrespect to my husband or my three boys, but we just know that that's the way it goes. And so if we're going to go to a game, I'm probably going to be the person that decides where we're going and when. And mm-hmm. we just need more women to be aware. And you're right. We have incredible role models. And, and we've had an incredible year. The the season is just uh, absolutely phenomenal to enjoy. And you have yes, to enjoy basketball. You have to enjoy – you don't even have to enjoy basketball. You have to understand being a part of a team. And if you have ever yes. been on a team and every person listening has, then you have to enjoy the way the, the game is played and the people that are, are playing it. You do the 100 shots challenge you have for the last six summers. And you also have said that shooting percentages across D1 isn't at its best. So talk a little bit about that and your feelings on that. Yes. You know what? I mean, I literally am shooting till my arm falls off. Honestly, ladies, I mean, I, I get out there and it's hot as a hundred degrees in Charleston. I'm in my driveway. I've got my stolen toss back from NC state that I've had since 1982. <laughs> That's my rebounder. And I'm out there shooting in a different college t-shirt. Just whoever sends me one is what I wear. And I have to shoot two a day sometimes just to keep up with them. But here's some numbers. I want you to think about this. And, and this is some, some rough numbers that I put together and, our shooting percentages overall are starting to get better in women's division one. Now those are the numbers that I looked at division two and division three. I have looked at in the past, but for this conversation, it's just D one right now. Last year, there were 138 teams that shot 45% or better from the floor. The, the, the season before this past season, there were 160 teams that shot 45% or better. So, we have seen a small increase. A lot of that has to do with players just becoming better. The rules of the game opening up, less physicality on the ball, uh, players being better shooters. Uh, but overall in Division One, and here's how I calculated this, uh, 344 D1 teams in women's college basketball. I gave each team an average of 12 players. That's 4,182 players. Two years ago, when South Carolina won the national championship that year, we only had 3.3% of those 4,182 players that shot better than 45% from the floor. That's it. Less than 4%, ladies. This year, we had 3.8. So we've gone up a tad because we've added another 20 players or so to that mix. That's part of the reason why I'm out there shooting. It's not it's a good exercise for me. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I, I use it as a workout. Okay. <laughs> However, muscle memory, the ability to shoot, the ability to score. That's why I've been such an advocate for offense in our, in our game. Just look at the example the WNBA has provided for us this year. Why the games are so good. It's because we have more offensive minded players. 
under overhead strap ice jam switch or the seven different ways that you can guard a ball screen or some sort of variation of it. We don't need all that. Even if you can do all that, if you're a good enough scorer, good enough shooter, I'd hate to have to guard mm-hmm. Kayla McBride right now in any kind of ball screening action. We we know look we comes to mind. We know, we already know, Debbie is about the offense, yep. okay? So when it comes to shooting percentages, when it comes to, and I agree with you, I'll be honest with you, I love, I, I go from WNBA season sometimes to college season, and I'm like, oh boy, this is going to be a bit of a basketball struggle for me because the women in the WNBA are playing at such a high level right now. I mean, yes. you know, scoring's up and field goal percentages, three-point shooting percentages, all of that. It's all up. Um, and, and college needs to find a way to make the game more offensively exciting. I love what you're doing, Debbie. How can people that are listening get involved? How can they add their team to the challenge? Anybody can be a part of the challenge. I just wear a different T-shirt just to sort of challenge that specific team. Not that they are – it's all random. It's not, you know, I'm not pinpointing this team can't shoot it. That's why I picked them. That's not, that's not what I'm doing. I'm just – whatever I get in the mail or whatever T-shirts I have – that's what I wear. But China, I even wore University of North Carolina this week. Oh, I saw yeah. that. That's yes. that's not easy for an NC State yeah. girl. Well, I will suggest that if you want to be involved in the challenge, use the hashtag 100 shot challenge. That's the number 100 shot challenge. And make sure you at Debbie Antonelli on Twitter. And hey, why not if you're AU, high school, whatever? Let's, if you're playing girls or, or women's basketball, yeah. we're going to invite all of you in, but we're definitely targeting we, college we women's all. basketball. We, we all right. Want everyone, to, China, to re- even you. And if you can beat my time, I'll send you a medal. If anybody can beat my time, I created a little medal. It's an award. I'd be glad to send it to you. Debbie, I have watched you shoot in several competitions from free throw to, I, I don't want, a, I don't want anything to do with you. Like you're, you're a much better shooter than I am. I'm conceding right away. If you ever get a rebound <laughs> challenge, I'll be a part of that. Okay. All right, Tariqa, what else? <laughs> All right, Tariqa, what's our, what's our last, uh, Debbie Antonelli cocktail napkin piece? Well, you have mentioned the suggestion about, um, adding the team names to the jerseys. Um, somewhere near the corporate logos, we often see WNBA jerseys that have the names of the corporate sponsors on them. But Deb, we want to know your thoughts on when the WNBA should put the names of the teams on the front of the jerseys. Well, you know, part of growing our base in the game is to be recognizable with our our product, right? So our product is really good, but there's a lot of people that we're getting these new viewers that are coming to our game and they see uh, a corporate name across the front, which I love. And I'm all for selling the front of the jerseys in the WNBA because it adds to the revenue base. So anything we can do to create inventory, I'm all for. However, there are times where, you know, you might not know who the team is. You know, if you're, you might not know that that team is uh, Seattle and they, they wear gold or green because their name might not be on the front. So I'm, I'm just saying I don't care about the name on the back. I I love the logo on the front. I just wish that somewhere, maybe, we could put the names of the teams somewhere on the jersey so people knew who they were, or on the shorts or somewhere where it's visible. I don't know if that's a, you know, look, Nike's uniforms are great. I love the look of all the teams this year. I think it's phenomenal, the change and the new contract. It looks really sleek. It looks athletic, and it looks fast to me. But I'm just wondering if we could put the names on the jerseys. Yep, I'm with you on that. I think name recognition is important. 
especially with with a growing league only in its 22nd year, there needs to be a way that they can better balance the economics with uh, the growth of the brand. I'm with you, Debbie. All right, Tarika. All right. What's our last thing? I have I have an idea that it might have something to do with um, one of Debbie and I's favorite people ever. It absolutely um, who's does. no longer with us. It absolutely does. And as an NC State grad, as as a member of the Wolf Pack, Debbie, we would be remiss to not mention the KL Cancer Fund and the golf outing that uh, is hosted in Pinehurst. Uh, you mentioned before that it is not invitation only. So just kind of give us a little bit about that and why you would love for more people to be involved. I thank you all for letting us talk about this for just a second. But yes, Coach Al is a very important person in my life. Uh, yours too, LaChina. Um, I was fortunate enough to get a chance to play for her. And there weren't many of us that did get that opportunity. So if you asked anyone, they would tell you the same thing. It was an honor to get to spend four years of my college days with her and then to have a 30 plus year relationship with her, you know, just because I was a camper and, you know, all the way through. But one thing Coach Al wanted was for this to be an all inclusive women's basketball idea to raise money for cancer research. And she lent her name to it. And we have done a good job. Women's basketball should be commended, especially on a grassroots level with a play for K. All the things that we do with the K. Yow Cancer Fund are not invitation or exclusive. They are for everyone to get involved. And I think sometimes we, people think that they need to be invited to play in the golf outing. They do not need to be invited to play in the golf outing. We would love for people to come and, and want to take part in a really fun weekend in Pinehurst. So that, along with Play for K, if you have a team, you have a high school team, you have a middle school team, uh, it's a boys or a girls team, and any sport, we would love for you to be a part of the Play for K initiative and help raise money for cancer research all women's cancers so thank you for letting me bring that up at the golf tournament in pinehurst august 25th and 26th and we still have spots you can go to kinehurst.com and learn all about it 25th and 26th now i think i may have a game that weekend but i'm not a very good golfer i've taken lessons i can drive a cart though and i can talk and have fun in the meantime so all those things i got you covered Um, but you're absolutely right, Debbie, in that, you know, okay, y'all just, it meant so much to so many of us and, you know, it's a, it's a crazy time. And I just want to ask you if you don't mind sharing your thoughts, um, as we, as we wrap up our cocktail napkin, we are going to have you back, but, um, it's a crazy time because yes, we, we lost Coach Yao and we've lost Pat Summit and now we've lost Ann Donovan and we've lost, um, you know, Greeny Portland and Barbara Kennedy Dixon. Um, from from Clemson, who I know um, you had very close relationship to with her dealings in and around the ACC. With, with those last two women in particular that we've lost um, here in recent days, Debbie, if you have any reflections on, on Rini or, or Barbara that you would want to share? On just to all the people that we've lost that have meant so much to our game, I think it just makes me think about what our roles are. You know, we all had different roles on different teams that we played on. Some had more of a scoring, rebounding, star power sort of role to it. And others of us just worked every day to try to do the right things, to try to make your team better. And when I I think about all of those people, because they weren't just basketball people, they were moms, they were sisters, they were aunts, they were great teammates. And I, I just want us all to appreciate everyone around you. Just because somebody might look like they have more status 
or they're uh, or maybe they look different than you. I always go back to that old cliche because it's so relevant in my own personal life with my my children, especially my son Frank. You can't judge a book by its cover. You you just cannot because you we tend to to look at what people can't do instead of what they can do. And those examples that you just gave us, Lachina, of Anne Reney and Barbara were all examples of people that can and they tried and they wanted to do the right things and. I'm really um, sad about all three of them, but really Barbara Kennedy uh, is somebody that meant so much across the ACC landscape and has done so much for so many young people at Clemson and across the ACC that I know this is a tough time for the Clemson University family. Thank you for those reflections, Debbie, and you're absolutely right. And and what we can continue to do is – give back to the KEO Cancer Fund. You know, I know that um, Ann Donovan's family listed an organization that, you know, meant a lot to her. I think Christy Tolliver actually said if she wins the three-point shooting contest, she wants her $10,000 to go to, um, <clears throat> you know, this organization that Ann Donovan was passionate about. We've got, you know, Pat Summit and what they're doing with, with her foundation. Yeah. So a lot of ways that we can continue to give back to those who have helped to grow the game. And, and Debbie, like, you're growing the game. So now we've got the cocktail napkin. Thank you so much. You've given us a lot to think about. We're actually going to use some of your questions as topics on social media to try to engage fans to weigh in. What do you think about Vegas? What do you think about playing on a neutral site um, as a player versus playing on an opponent's home floor? So thank you for making us think and always being willing to think outside the box and ways to grow the game. And we'll keep pushing Vegas as well, Deb. Now you have a place where you can come and we can have these discussions on Around the Rim anytime. Well, thank you. I will take you up on that. That is great. I appreciate all that you've done, and thank you for what you're doing for the game as well. We need everyone in our game and roles like ours to keep working. Just keep working. Absolutely. That's right. Giving back. Thanks, Deb. I'm getting my shots up today. Get them up. Shoot for your off. Fourth quarter. Out of bounds. All right, fans. So we're going to take our fourth quarter this week just to give you a little bit more information on where you can find the All-Star Game, which is going to be airing on Saturday, July 28th from the Target Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, it's going to be airing on ABC. So you make sure you find your uh, local ABC station at 3.30 p.m. You're going to have Ryan Rucco, who's going to be on the call alongside Rebecca Lobo. And uh, Holly Rowe and our own LaChina are going to be sidelined with our teams. As LaChina stated earlier, she's going to be on the sides for Team Deladon. Holly Rowe is going to be on the side for Team Parker. There is going to be a lot of access to the players, a lot of access to the locker rooms, the huddles. Uh, both of the coaches are going to be mic'd up. Dan Hughes for Seattle, who's going to be coaching Team Deladon, and Sandy Brondello out of Phoenix, who's going to be coaching Team Parker. So they're both going to be mic'd up. You're going to hear what's going on every step of the way and I think that's going to be big for our game just to give those of us who aren't lucky enough to be in attendance we'll have all the access that we can possibly have to what's going on during the game also ESPNW is going to have some comprehensive coverage of the game this year Uh, Michelle Vopel she's going to have some things that you can track um, on the website as well as on her Twitter so make sure you're following her pre-game, in-game, and post-game. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Connecticut Suns' Chenea Gumake, she's going to be taking over the Instagram accounts for ESPN on game day. So you make sure you are following that as well so we can get some inside scoop and some tea directly from Chenea. So just enjoy the All-Star experience. We're definitely going to be tuned in. 
Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in to Around the Rim this week. I want to thank Tiffany Hayes again for joining us, Debbie Antonelli for all the insight that she brings. We'll be back next week with some special guests. Um, we're going to have some fun. We'll recap All Star and, uh, we'll just do what we do. So make sure you're following LaChina at LaChina Robinson. You can follow me at SheKnowsSports underscore. Follow Around the Rim. We are on Twitter at Around the Rim Pod hashtag around the rim or send us an email uh, you can email us at around the rim podcast at gmail.com i love reading emails from the fans so continue to send them it is much appreciated we love you guys we'll be back next week talk to you then Thank you for listening to Around the Rim. Check out more podcasts from ESPN on the ESPN app.